Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a Monday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast that you know where it comes from now. We've been saying it for a whole year now, the podcast from justthenews.com. We're so grateful that you listen, that you watch, that you read uh, our content at justthenews.com. Support the podcast network. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Now it's a Monday morning. Maybe you had a long weekend. You're having a hard time getting the blood started, the heart pumping, the mind in the game. I got someone that's going to bring a lot of fire, fire in the belly, fire in the mind. The former NYPD commissioner, Bernie Carrick, is here for the whole show. We're not doing monologues. We're not doing news today. We're going to give you the full dose, the full dose of Bernie Carrick. What a great opportunity to talk to him about what went on in the Chauvin trial, the Ohio shooting, the state of policing, the state of community, the state of anarchy in some of these liberal uh, cities where destruction has been going on for nearly an entire year. People afraid to walk out of their doors at night. Uh, this is a man that played a role in cleaning up New York City the last time it got this bad. And now the city's trending that way again. And uh, we're here to seek his wisdom on policing, on community relations, on politics. And of course, as, as time has gone on, Bernie Carrick's gotten more and more involved in politics. He's behind some exciting candidates. Eric Greitens out in Missouri, uh, Vernon Jones down in Georgia, many other candidates that he'll be working with. People of all different walks of life who have decided they're done with the silliness, done with the chaos, done with the anarchy. There's a common sense America that wants to get this fixed and we're going after them. That's where those candidates are staying. And uh, we're going to talk to Bernie Carrick about that and so much more. We're going to go to quick commercial break like we always do. And when we come back for the full half hour, we're going to have former NYPD commissioner, Bernie Carrick, good friend, great uh, thinker and a great straight talker. Something we need to get this week started on the right foot Monday morning. All right. We'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody whose voice is so important on matters of policing, fairness, security, the former NYPD commissioner of police, Bernie Carrick is with us. Bernie, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Well, we've had a tumultuous week, obviously. Actually, we've had a tumultuous year, if we're being honest. And uh, But the, the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. First, your, your take on whether the jury got it right. Well, listen, uh, you know, it's nice for somebody like me to sit back and say they got it right, they didn't get it right. The jury heard the evidence, the real evidence. Um, and based on that evidence, they made a decision. Uh, the only the only question I would have, you know, there was there were three primary charges. One of which on the, on the negligent homicide uh, side, you know, there was an intent issue. Another one, there was no intent. Right. Um, they basically found him guilty on both. Um, to me, that raises a serious question as to why and how. Um, but like I said, they heard the evidence. I will say this. I, I cannot believe, I find it really hard to believe, that that jury was not intimidated by a few things. One, they lived in that community from the prior, when they burnt the city down. Right. Okay. Great point. So they know, they, they know exactly what happens when the radical left goes berserk, basically, and, and they tear down these cities. So they want to be responsible for something like that again. Then you had Maxine Waters. You had the president of the United States all basically coming out, you know, calling for a certain verdict. Maxine Waters basically saying that, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, she wanted a certain verdict and she, she pushed people in the streets to come out against them. Um, you know, it's just uh, crazy, crazy stuff. And the last thing is, CBS actually put out a um, a, a bio almost on, on the jurors, yeah. where they lived and things like that. These were intimidation factors that I think the jury probably took into consideration. Um, you know, they never asked a question. They never came back and, and asked one question about the law, about evidence, about nothing. They went in. They came out within 24 hours. Guilty on all charges. Done. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. You know, I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of these things, and I've kind of never seen nothing like that. Now, all that being said, keep in mind, I, you know, and I stress this constantly, I would rather us let the juries make, let the jurors make that decision. They saw all the evidence. They yeah. saw everything that could be seen. You know, I watched, I heard, I, I watched some, um, I speculate, but I didn't feel the evidence like they did. Yeah. There's nothing like being in that courtroom and, and being there for every second of it because it does have a different effect and a different, your brain processes it differently than those of us who are remote. So, oh, of course. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. So the verdict's there. We've, we, we didn't have any violence or very little violence afterwards, which I know a lot of people were grateful for. But I think the question now is, uh, there's a lot of hot rhetoric, particularly on the left. You, you saw the president say we're, we're in an era of, uh, of uncured systemic racism. I, ironically, that's very close to what the Chinese said a month ago in Alaska. So they're parroting some points there. But um, we need to get to a different point in the relationship, particularly the African-American community, but perhaps even larger, the urban American uh, community 
and policing. And there, this could go bad or this could go good, right? Depending on what sort of leadership is there. If this was going on and you're still in charge of NYPD, how do you get that community trust back? How do you build the bonds between police and their communities again? We need them. They're more essential now than ever, as New York's crime spike has shown. Uh, how do we get this fixed? So let me let me let me give you something to think about. There are 10 million arrests per year. Wow, 10 million. That's probably around 50 to 75 million police suspect interactions. Out of that 50 to 75 75 million interactions, they arrest 10 million people a year. Out of that 10 million people. Police fatally shoot, like last year, just over a 1,000. Right. Just over a 1,000. And everybody, you know, everybody's on this bandwagon on the left. Everybody's on this bandwagon that blacks are killed by police at much higher rates than whites. And that is a lie. That's completely not true. The bottom line is whites are killed by police at a far greater uh, a far greater number. Right. Unarmed whites are killed by unarmed, um, um, more by police than unarmed blacks. You wouldn't know that from the political rhetoric, whether it's the president, whether it's Kamala Harris, whether it's Maxine Waters or any of these other radical left-wing politicians, you would never know that. The bottom line is you have to start telling the truth. Number one, that, that's first and foremost. The second thing is, you know, every, every single time we have one of these, and let's say unarmed black men shot and killed by police, the percentage, the percentage versus arrest, it's about 0.00018. That's the percentage of yeah. your chance to be shot and killed by the police if you're a unarmed black male that so keeping that in mind do we really need police reform every time the police are involved in one of these incidents do we really need new training no we need the communities to understand what the police's job is right what what their job is i don't think i'm 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 done with police reform police training, all the stuff that people continue to say has to happen. No, I think the communities have to be reformed and educated. I think they have to learn and understand what 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 is the police's job? What what are their jobs when they respond? What is the law? What can you do and not do? What identification do you have to give the police? Resisting arrest is a crime. Running from the police leads to a chase, leads to resisting um, the steps of the car. Don't get out of the car. Don't make a furtive movement. Keep your hands where they can see them. I think it's time to start working with the community to educate young kids today where they have a basic idea of what the police's job is yep. and have more interaction between the police and the community. But reforming the police every time you have one of these incidents, it's insane. The police are pretty much trained out. There's not much else you can yeah, do. That's exactly right. I mean, there, you know, every so often there's a mistake. Someone grabs the, the shooting gun instead of the taser gun. But in the end of the day, 
the uh, the training is about as good as it can get, and these officers go through multiple versions of it. It's, they're pretty well programmed. You know, one of the one of the things that is endemic in most of these uh, things that end in a tragic shooting is the behavior of the suspect is often more than antagonistic. It's outright violence, and you know whether it was the guy in Kenosha who got shot as he was reaching for a knife. Or uh, the one this week that, again, right in the aftermath of, of Derek Chauvin trial, you have a, a young black girl trying, she's in the process of stabbing a victim when an officer is forced to, to neutralize that threat. Um, how, uh, given that there's a professional group of rioters, a professional group of antagonizers, now a professional group of tweeters like LeBron James that want to take every one of these moments and bring them to a, a red hot boil, what can police do? Is the idea to go into these communities and have community sessions and say, listen, if you do get stopped by us, we're not looking to have a problem. Sit with us. Let's train everybody how we're going to go through this. Is that the sort of dialogue that you think could happen in America? Or do you think those who want to create the hate and the violence don't want to let this moment go and they're just going to keep antagonizing? Well, I think it's two things, John. One, you need that dialogue. You need that education. But I'm going to tell you something. In 99% of the communities around the country, that's already done. Yeah. You know, these, these people that put out these tweets, the antagonists, the anarchists that go into these communities and riot and raise hell and burn cities, you know what? They're not from those communities, most of them. Most of them from somewhere else. Most of them, many of them are busting yeah. to do this. They're outsiders. You know what I mean? The, the bottom, they're outsiders. The bottom line is in those communities, the day-to-day living in those communities, most of those community leaders, they know the police. They know the police leadership. Yep. They have great interaction with the police. And if it was just them and them alone between the police and those community leaders, when you have an incident like this, there could be a lot better dialogue. There could be a lot better interaction. There could be resolve in what happened and how and why and how to make sure it doesn't happen again if it was wrong, whether it's on the community side or whether it's on the cop side. But we don't let it get to that point because we then have somebody like LeBron James who basically tells the cop he's next. Or makes some racist anti-police comments or get somebody like Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton or Ben Crump, the you know the new uh, I, I call him the new legal Al Sharp, right? He's the, he's the <laughs> lawyer, right? Yeah. that sort of pops up at every one of these events. Right. Um, every single one of them, he he jumps on a plane and he winds up in the same place uh, where this stuff is going on. And what do they do? They instigate, they antagonize, they 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 throw flames, uh, you know, beyond uh, beyond anything you could imagine. And then before you know it, there's riots, there's chaos, they're burning down the city, and, you know, they're calling for racial, uh, you know, they're calling the cops racist, they're victimizing the thugs, villainizing the cops, and uh, and it tears the communities down. Yeah, it, it is remarkable. I, I want to take us to Ohio for a second because I've been perplexed by some of the public reaction to the shooting that occurred right after uh, the the verdict. I mean, you have a young woman about to stab a victim. I mean, she her hand is up, knife is thrusting towards the victim. 
when when the right. officer fires and he's trying to save that other other girl's life <laughs> that's the only reason he's firing his gun first off right. the uh, from a police training perspective was there anything inappropriate about that shooting that you see from the evidence no yeah it's not from good, what i've seen yeah. and i've seen the extended video that was taken from across across the, the way street. yeah that's really instructive and that that video is really telling because the girl with the knife actually was involved in a in an altercation a couple seconds earlier where she was right on top of the cop the cop was right there yep the cop was gonna break up that fight right saw her with the knife she ran to the other girl raised her arm in an attempt to stab her now you know i've heard all these people you know he shouldn't have shot her he should have restrained her he should have used a taser to those people i would say You've never seen anybody die from a knife, from a knife wound. Right. I've seen people carved up like like a, a butcher shop yeah. um, and, and, and die from blood loss in seconds. Seconds. That's in right. Seconds. You hit you hit a, the femoral artery, you hit you hit a certain spot on the body. If she would have tagged that girl in the neck, it's over. Um, you know, it's it's done. It's yeah. completely done. That was a six-inch blade, if not bigger, based on what I've seen. Right. And the bottom line is, that girl with the knife knew that cop was there. She was ordered to drop it. She was ordered to stop. She she moved forward anyway, and he had two choices. He could have let her attack the girl with the knife and most likely kill her, or he could stop her and, uh, and defuse the circumstances. Uh, he decided to stop the woman. I've heard people say he should have shot her in his ha- her hand. Yeah, should have shot her in the leg. So to those people, police officers are trained to shoot at center mass. That's right. You shoot at center mass for two reasons. One, it's the biggest target. You won't miss and hit somebody else, hopefully. And the second reason is you shoot to stop the threat. You don't shoot anyone to kill them. Right. You shoot to stop the threat. And the only way you're going to stop the threat is center mass or a headshot. Right. I, I would say most cops would never think of a headshot unless it was a sniper situation. Because just like shooting somebody in the hand or the leg or the foot, you're going to miss. There's a really good, you know, these yeah. guys aren't. And you might wound someone else too, because you're, you're, you're in the moment of enormous, <laughs> they got adrenaline going. There's other people in the area usually. Uh, trying right. to hit someone in the hand, you might hit the neighbor next door. That's a really dangerous no, exactly. tactic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you you aim for center mass, you aim to stop, and that's exactly what happened in the circumstance. The cop did the job he was supposed to do, and by law, and this is the other thing, I, when I when I read these comments of stupidity from the the far left, these race baiters on Twitter, the law says. You, the only time a police officer can use deadly physical force is when that force, that equivalent force, is being used against him, or to stop that threat of force against someone in, you know, the general imminent public. danger, right? That's yeah. imminent danger. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. Now it's amazing that you see someone like 
uh, LeBron James doing what he did, and the, the uh, it, it just doesn't help this country. Uh, maybe the altitude is the air is a little thinner up at that, his altitude. That cop, but, John, that cop should have been, you know, he should have been thanked. Should have been reveling uh, uh, him as a hero. Yeah. Um, you know what's you know what's quite interesting. Uh, you know, I was uh, John Cardillo, who used to be at Newsmax, made a comment yesterday. Where is uh, where, where's the victim? Yeah. You know. They basically concealed the victim. We haven't heard the, the victim. I'm confident that the victim and the victim's mother is quite happy that yeah. the cop took that action. The daughter, the, 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 the girl's alive still. That, action, that girl will be dead today. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. I want to flip this to another movement that's going on because not everybody's buying. Not all these states are buying into all of this. Let's burn it down and cops are bad and let's defund them. Florida has begun a, a legal process now with new laws to uh, put greater penalties against rioters and those who uh, do things. And there's something that I've been watching. Every time I see it, I'm, I'm jaw dropped. But when someone takes a Molotov cocktail and throws it into an occupied car, you are almost certainly trying to kill that person because Molotov cocktail takes off in 30 seconds in the car. Getting out is almost impossible. Do right. we need more enhanced penalties for these protesters? Whereas if a city won't punish them, uh, the federal government can go in and say, listen, you throw a Molotov cocktail into an occupied police vehicle, it is going to be attempted murder every time. Do you think there's a, a growing support to create better penalties for these rioters who actually are trying to create attempted murder every time they do something like that? I, I think there is in areas where you have police, I mean, where you have people that believe in law and order. Yeah. Where you have governors and mayors and city council members that believe in law and order. Keep in mind, you know, you have some of these, uh, some of these states where you have district attorneys that were funded and put in office by George Soros. Um, they're not prosecuting right. people for violent crime uh, engagement. You know, they're not prosecuting. They're letting them out. They're opening the prisons and the jails yeah. to get people out. Um, they outright, you know, in, in California, for example, you can walk into a store and steal $950 worth of merchandise, walk out the door, and you're not going to be charged with a crime. Yeah. All right, that's the most bizarre. That's, I, I can't even explain no. the thinking behind that. You know what I mean? You have a district attorney in, uh, in California that is the son um, of uh, Catherine Bodine, um, who was from the Weather Underground. Right. Uh, you know, a domestic terrorist who was involved in, you know, the killing of police officers, a Brinks-Nyack guard, and, and bank robberies uh, back in the 70s and 80s. So this is who we have in district attorney positions around the country today. And, um, you know, they're not going to prosecute anybody. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a governor like DeSantis who's taking care of his communities, taking care of his state, his state, he's basically, he, he said, look, you're not going to come in here and, and rob people and, and, and uh, you know, torment them and torture them when they're sitting outside at dinner. You're not going to you're not going to step in front of a car or jump in front of a truck and, you know, pull somebody out of, out of a truck and beat them to 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 a pulp, right? Um, like we've seen happen numerous times around the country, because they're allowed to do it because they get away with it. Yep. 
once you stop them from doing it and they start getting prosecuted and sent to prison for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I guarantee that'll stop. But it's never going to stop until there's some accountability. That's such an important point. As we go into the 2022 election, because you also have such enormous uh, political uh, instincts, um, how big an issue is this, uh, uh, not only uh, the defunding police and all of the radicalism, but there's basically the, there's two there's two Americas now. There's the America that believes in law and order and the Constitution, and there's this other one that believes in in rioting and chaos and anarchy, uh, and the most suffocating big government they can possibly create, both in terms of size and and power and reach. Um, does this country just continue to divide? Do people who don't like New York and LA just flee to you know places like Arizona and Florida where they see common sense? It, or does the 2022 election become a bellwether where people say, we're taking back these communities, we're tired of all this garbage? I, I think you're going to see a lot of that, John. I, th- I think people are, are fed up. Um, I, and I think there's two primary there's tr- two primary areas of focus for the 2022 election, right? Well, the first, uh, first area of focus is going to be election integrity. Right. That's a must. Very and, important. You know, that, that's all across the country, but especially in the six, seven swing states where there were real questions of voter irregularities, voter fraud, election fraud. You're going to see that playing a major part um, going into 2022. And the second thing is crime, um, violent crime, murder in, in communities around the country. And people are scared to death as a result. Yeah, they don't want to walk out the doors anymore. Yeah, they're they're afraid to leave. Look, I remember when, you know, I was a cop in New York City back in the 80s and 90s before Giuliani came in when people were, you know, women were putting their babies to bed in bathtubs, scared to death of random gunfire, where the homicide rate was up over 2,000. I think in 1993, we had 2,200 murders. We had more murders in New York City in 93 then today you have in Atlanta, Minneapolis, Baltimore, and uh, Chicago. Wow. So we forget we it was know, that bad. We, we, right. It, it was horrible. And Giuliani came in and basically said, look, nobody wants to visit, live, work, go to school in a place that's not safe. Yeah. So our four, first and foremost focus is going to be crime and murder reduction. And then people will come. You'll have better tourism. You'll have economic development. You'll have real estate values growing. And we did. And that can be done. And I was a part of that. So when people tell me there's nothing you can do about what's going on in Chicago or there's nothing you can do about what's going on in Baltimore, that's a lie. Because I was part of a team that basically had the most successful crime reduction programs in U.S. history. Prior to Giuliani, it never happened. Post Giuliani, it never happened. And the bottom line is, I know how to do it. I know it can be done. I know I know the way it works. And you need good leadership, strong leadership. You need accountability with the police department, and you need accountability within the community. Yeah. It can get fixed, but it's never going to get fixed with the leadership we have in most of these cities that are run by Democrats. It's remarkable, too, because popular opinion is on the side of law and order. It's on the side of election integrity, voter ID. You can go through all the things that we just talked about. 
popular opinion is overwhelmingly in favor of these policies, and yet we have leaders all across this country uh, rowing against the popular uh, will of the American people. It's it's a pretty remarkable yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, but John, you know, there's a reason for that. And the reason is, you know, on the Republican side, the conservative side, you know, I'd say for the most part, they're pretty modest. They're pretty quiet. Right. They don't get, that, they don't get out there and scream and yell. You know, if there's, if there's a problem, that's why it's in the streets. You don't see people burning down cities. No. You don't see Republicans and conservatives doing that. But on the left, it's a way of life. Yeah. They scream the loudest. They instill fear. They intimidate. They burn down your city. They threaten your kids. And the politicians don't do anything. Don't do anything about it because they're scared of death. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem. Do you think we're going to see a more vocal, more uh, determined Republican conservative movement? Or do you think there's too many wishy-washies in, in the, uh, with their hands on the flight stick right now? You know, you know what, John? I, 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 you know, I think I've been pretty vocal about this. I, I don't. I, I am. Ex- I'm more disappointed in the Republican Party than I can even talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, especially given the things that I saw in the aftermath of the election. Right. And and I, I don't want to get into the election stuff, but I'm, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll, just to touch on it one second. Here's the bottom line: the Democrats stole the election. They did things they shouldn't have done, that should have never been done, and pretty much they stole the election. But that's not why Donald Trump is not sitting in the White House. That's why Donald Trump is not, was not elected because the Republican legislators in the yeah. swing states didn't do the job they were they supposed didn't. to do. Nope. Sleep on the switch. They didn't do the job they were supposed to do, that they, were, or, or, that they had the authority by the Constitution to do. They just did not do it. And you have people in the RNC, people, you know, the, the, the speaker, <coughs> Republican leaders, you know what? They didn't do their job. They yeah. did not do their job. And I, I don't think, I, I think these people, they got to be pushed out of office. You got to bring in new people and, uh, you know, stand up for the republic and, and, uh, and get the job done. Because what they were doing, what they've done, what they're doing today. You know, you look at what happened last week when, uh, you know, Maxine Waters was uh, was screaming and yelling for yeah, confrontation. For confrontation. Street. Putting kerosene you know, on the fire. Right. Uh, McCarthy, uh, you know, out in California, well, if Pelosi doesn't do anything, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll focus on it. I'll address it. What, what's Pelosi have to do with it? It's wrong. What she did was wrong. It's a terroristic threat. What she did was an, she attempted to influence the jury pool um, in the jury in the Chauvin case. Yeah. What, what are you talking about? You, what do you need Pelosi for? You know what was wrong. Why aren't you doing something about it now? Don't wait for Pelosi. Do you actually think Pelosi's going to do something about it? No, she's not going to do anything about it. It's, so. um, it is remarkable. And, uh, but, you know, there's a, a moment ahead, there seems to be this kernel of a new type of Republican, a new type of conservative trying to take power. And I know you're getting behind a lot of them. Uh, you're supporting a really exciting candidate down in Georgia for the governorship. There's a lot of movement. And I think that this 2022 election could put a lot more active, stronger willed people into 
positions of power. And I think that's why the 2022 election is so, so important. I know you agree with and, that as and, well. And, and honestly, John, you know what I see? And I feel it. You know, I, I this is pretty much public knowledge. I'm supporting Eric Wright out of Missouri. Right. And, uh, and, and uh, Vernon Jones uh, for governor in Georgia. In, uh, Georgia. I'm going to tell you, man, when I go out with these guys and I'm traveling with them, they're like icons. Vernon Jones is like like a, a, a rock star he in is. Georgia yep. because he's calling it what it is. He's telling people what was wrong. you know. And this is a guy, you got to keep in mind, he was a Democrat. Yeah. He was a Democrat that rolled over to Republican. But I would say this, Vernon Jones is a Democrat that went MAGA. Yep. Democrat, You're right. MAGA. And he's confronting, in my opinion, the number one problem in Georgia, which was Brian Kemp, the governor. Yeah. Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, in my opinion, was was ultimately responsible for Donald Trump and those two senators not being elected, just as some of the other leaders, some of the other states were responsible. Brian Kemp was one of them. He had no fight in him. And if he did, he didn't show it. He didn't do anything. Yeah. I think he's got to be pulled out of there. And I think Vernon Jones is just the guy to do it. When I had Vernon on, Jones on this show the very first time, which is back last summer, and you could tell he was wrestling with being a Democrat. He was already out for Trump, but he was wrestling being a Democrat. He said something that still resonates in the back of my mind. The Democrat, I, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. And I think. No, exactly. Yeah. There are people like that all over exactly. the country that don't recognize this Democratic Party, and there's an opportunity for the Republicans to go roll them up. Yeah. No, uh, 100%. Amazing. 100%. Well, Bernie, it is always an honor to have you on your show. There's always common sense, always straight talk. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for the time spent today, for all the wisdom you've imparted, and I know we're going to get you back on the show soon. <laughs> thank you, John. Thanks, Bernie. Bye -bye. Have a good one. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Wow, I'm exhausted. I don't know about you, but uh, being with Bernie Carrick for 30 minutes, so much energy, so many ideas, so much blunt, straight talk in an era where we get a lot of doublespeak. Bernie Carrick always speaks his mind. He means what he says, and he says what he means. And I think that that's what makes him unique in an era where so many politicians are on talking points or hunkered down, unwilling to go into the fire and say what they really mean or feel or say what the constituents want them to say. So many Americans are tired of this elitist view of America, talking America down, burning our cities. Uh, they want to go back 
to the period when we had freedom and prosperity and sanity and common sense. And I think that Bernie Carrick uh, brings a lot of that in every discussion he has, every time he does it. You, you know where he stands. And he's really echoing not just his thoughts. He's echoing the tens of millions of Americans who have watched the last few years and are scratching their head. We're selling out to China. We're burning down our cities. We're uh, making people go through unbelievable restrictions with no scientific basis for it. We've, we're spending trillions of dollars we don't have. We're now burdening our great, 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 great grandchildren. They're tired of the cycle. They want the cycle to stop. And I think Bernie Carrick is one of those voices that most represents and, and is able to summarize that entire segment of America tired of what they've seen. All right. Hope you enjoyed the show tomorrow. We'll be back with some breaking news. I think we're going to have a good excuse, exclusive for you, something that'll intrigue America and then bring some new accountability. And I know we got some great guests lined up. So have a great night. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your time at home. May God bless you and God bless this great country of America, as he always has, the United States of America. So glad to be a citizen here. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports.